0: Hello Bravo lovers, welcome to another episode of Bravo Tea with Jared B. We have made it to the end of the week. It is Friday y'all. Turn up. I'm not going to be turning up this weekend. I'm staying in. I'm having a quiet weekend indoors. I know, um, if you know me, if you were my friend, I often say I'm going to have a quiet weekend indoors and then a friend texts or calls and then it ends up turning into a weekend I spend out. But I'm trying to promise myself that Jared, you were staying inside this weekend. You were just going to chill. You're going to relax, you know, just take in the moment. So I'm trying to hold myself accountable and stay (laughs) in this weekend. Um, I also want to announce that this morning, the podcast officially crossed the threshold of 500 downloads. If I have not mentioned this already, if you don't know, the average podcast, that means a podcast started by someone we all don't know, uh, not a podcast started by a big name, whether it be a celebrity or reality star. Um, The average podcast gets 141 downloads in their first month by my first month, which was last Friday, I had 444 downloads and this morning we officially crossed the threshold of 500 so I would like to give a round of applause to you guys To me, (laughs) Um, to everyone that has supported and listened and subscribed and contacted me and given me constructive criticism and have motivated me to not give up and keep on going. Shout out to you guys. I would not be here if it was not for you. And shout out to Bravo, because none of us would be here if Bravo did not exist. Um, I want to get right into it. I'm going to start off with the Vanderpump Rules Secrets Revealed episode. The reason why I'm going to start off with this, because I don't have much for you with this. Honestly, watching this episode, I don't feel like anything notable happened where I need to talk about it. Honestly, like this show has me spent. I've said this several times before. I have not been a consistent watcher of Vanderpump Rules. I have seen every season's reunion. I've pretty much known what has happened each season. I know the different characters, I guess, cast members on the show. Um, But this season exhausted me. I feel like I've lost three years of my life that I need to find a way to gain back. And I'm happy I'm happy this was the last episode of the season. So the only things, the only things, there's only two things that were notable to me on this episode. And I have to admit, it has nothing to do with (laughs) Scandoval. Nothing. It's not about Raquel. It's not about Sandoval. Who is it about? It's about Tom Schwartz and James Kennedy. These are the things that jumped out to me when watching the Secrets Revealed episode. The first thing about Tom Schwartz. Uh, <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed watching him go on a date with this girl, Kendall, that he met on the Hinge app. I enjoyed it. Like, ugh. I feel like I've been critical of Tom Schwartz this season, you know, because of that bashful boy next door, like, Oh, I'm just like this innocent guy. And I don't, you know, that, meow, 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 you know, that kind of behavior he puts on that stick that he likes to put on when the cameras are rolling. Um, but I have to say, I really enjoyed this date. Tom Schwartz, he just has a boyish energy, uh, Kind of the same way like Jim's James Kennedy has Jim's Kennedy like James Kennedy has. They both have this boyish spirit where when you watch them, you think they're 13 years old, even though they're in their 30s. You might consider that um, to be a great thing. I don't know if I carry around on my shoulder a boyish spirit. I think that spirit left me uh, around 12 or 13, (laughs) to be honest. Uh, But Tom Schwartz is on this date. This girl, Kendall, arrives that he met on the Hinge app. And Tom Schwartz, he's nervous, but Tom Schwartz orders a shot of tequila and a beer. And I was like, oh my gosh, here he goes. I, I just... I have not been on a date recently, so like i'm out I'm out of commission, I'm out the game uh, and Tom Schwartz was out the game for twelve years, but you know he made it happen. He was just himself. he had great energy um one thing I was like, I don't know if you should be ordering a shot of tequila like because you know a first date is like a job interview, and you want to put you want to present your best self in order to get the job, and it's the same way. When it comes to a date, you want to present your best self to the person that you are on a date with with the hopes that there will be another date and maybe it would it will eventually turn into a relationship. You know, you you show your best self when you start dating someone and then when it turns into a relationship, you reveal the true animal that you are. You know? <laughs> Um, but then Tom Schwartz, I was like, oh, here he goes. He tells this hypothetical story about the fact that he made out with Raquel, who is in his friend group, uh, even though he's divorced and I was nervous. I was like, oh gosh, Kendall's going to be like red flag, red flag. I just don't know if you should be talking about a girl that you made out with on a date with someone else. You know what I mean? And I feel like in any other situation, maybe not any other situation, I know if I was on a date with someone, I would not talk about someone I previously hooked up with. And I know if I were on a date with someone, I would want that someone to discuss the most recent person they hooked up with. That's just not good first impressions to me. But Kendall took it very well. Kendall took Tom Schwartz's Dear John story very well. Um, but yeah, I don't think that's a story that you tell on the first date. The second, oh, before I get to the second thing that, you know, jumped out at me on this episode, um, I have to say that I could probably watch Tom Schwartz on a dating show. Listen, if Tom Schwartz became the next Bachelor, I don't watch The Bachelor, but I would probably watch The Bachelor if Tom Schwartz became the next, the next Bachelor because it would be thoroughly entertaining to see this man try to date 30 women and try to fall in love within a couple of weeks with the hopes that he and this woman will live happily ever after. And if you know The Bachelor's track record... They're like three for 50 at this point. But yeah, I would watch a Tom Schwartz dating show. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed him on this date. I know I've said that several times, but I really enjoyed it. It made me laugh and made me smile. Um, And I wish they kind of showed that on this season. Honestly, there were so many light moments shown on the Secrets Revealed episode. I was like, oh, they should have shown that. They should have. So the second notable thing that jumped out at me when I was watching was when James Kennedy was talking to his girlfriend, Allie, there at that like outside retro, you know, Happy Days, that TV show. Uh, It looks like a bar, restaurant, a gathering place. And James Kennedy calls Sandoval Judas. Um, And at first, with his British accent, I thought he said something else. I won't mention what I thought he said because it's not appropriate. But I I literally rewound it, turned on subtitles to see if he said what I thought he said. And he did it. He called Sandoval Judas. Um, But in his confessional, I don't know if anyone noticed this. Because maybe you were just drawn into the Vanderpump rules of it all, the scandal of it all. But in his confessional, did anyone notice that James Kennedy was reading something from the palm of his hand? If you were listening to this and you did not notice this, go back and watch the episode. Fast forward to the whole... James Kennedy calling Tom Sandoval Judas and look at the confessional. And towards the end of that confessional clip, you see, I believe it's his left hand, which is a little bit more stiff than his right. And you see him looking down at his hand like he's reading from it. So if he was doing what I think he was doing and... Uh, he wrote down his banter, his confessional banter. Before filming, I caught you, James Kennedy, caught you. Go back, watch, let me know what you think. That's all I have for you for Vanderpump Rules. That's it. That's it. I got to mint. I'm happy the show's over. You know, it was exhausting. These this has been the most exhausting month for this show because Scandival broke, what, March? It's now freaking June and we're just now reaching the finish line. I'm happy it's over. Sayonara vanderpump rules if you were interested i believe the cast starts filming within the next couple of weeks so i'm curious to see who's staying who's going and what's going to happen next season because i'm like i hope they're not going to continue this scandal drama into next season we get it it was bad put a kibosh in it this is season 10 give us something different season 11 i understand that there's still going to be a little bit of a fallout from season 10, but I don't want season 11 to solely focused on what happened this current season. Please cast the Vanderpump Rules. Give us something else. Por favor. Thank you. So let's get into the Real Housewives of New Jersey. So now we have The Real Housewives of New Jersey. This is season 13, episode 19, The Reunion Part 3. And boy, oh boy, I am happy we have come to the end of this season. Because this season has been a roller coaster. I'm not saying this season was terrible, because it was actually good. It was entertaining. There were a lot of great moments. There were some moments of laughter, but this this season was intense. Like at the end of the day, a family is no more. A family is no more. And for me, if I were on a show like this and I've been going back and forth with my family for 10 seasons, I'm leaving the show. Because no amount of money, no amount of fame is worth my family being ruined. But I think that when you're in this world of housewives, you, you're in a bubble. You have tunnel vision. And your world consists of just being a reality star. And unfortunately, I don't think Joe, Melissa and Teresa are thinking about post housewives, post reality stars, because like once you're off the show and one day Teresa will not be a housewife, whether she's given the walking papers by Bravo or Teresa makes a decision to leave on her own. Teresa will not be a housewife forever. We will not see an 80-year-old Teresa throwing bottles or throwing glasses at someone on the Real Housewives of New Jersey. We just won't. And so to me, if I were in her shoes or in their shoes, when it's time for me to walk away from the show and I'm rebuilding my life and rebuilding the normalcy after being a reality star for so many years, I feel like I'm going to look to my friends and my family who I don't get to spend much time with because I'm filming a show. So that's what I have to say about that. (laughs) Moving on. So we get to the reunion, block one, and this is when the men join the show. We find out that Frank Catania got him some new teeth, some Bright white chiclets, like white as printer paper. And I like, I just want to know when people get veneers, do people not ask their doctors for like the most natural looking set of new teeth possible? Because it's clear, it's obvious that Frank Catania has fake teeth. They, I don't know. I can't say they look good. He looks weird. Maybe it's going to take some time to get used to it. But then Andy asked Louie about the comment he made to Joe Gorga about wearing Nona's pajamas. Honestly, I don't know if Louis's explanation was any better than the comment he made on the show. Louis says it was a bag of clothes that they found cleaning out Teresa's house in preparation for moving into their home together. Louis says that Nona never wore the pajamas. But he wore the pajama bottoms because he thought it would be endearing to Teresa and her daughters. I'm wondering why Louis would think wearing Teresa's dead father's pajamas would be like a source of comfort and relief and be endearing to them because I would be creeped out. I would be like, can you take off my late father's clothes and put on your own? I'm waving a red flag, y'all. I'm waving a red flag. But I appreciate the fact that Louis apologized to Joe Gorga for the insensitive comment that he made about wearing his father's clothes. But Joe Gorga says to Louis, I want to believe you, man. But every time I try to give you the benefit of the doubt, that's how Medea would say it, the benefit of the doubt. I would say benefit of the doubt. He feels like he's always getting screwed by Louie. And then Joe and Teresa start going at it. And then Melissa jumps in. Someone should have, Andy should have told Melissa, this is, I need you to fall back and just let Teresa and Joe have this moment. I, this was the moment for Teresa and Joe to talk and for Melissa to shut up and for Louie to shut up. But Teresa says something so devastating to me. So finite, Teresa says, this is the last time I'm going to speak to my brother. And I just hope that she does not end up regretting that statement. Because at the end of the day, being a real housewife, that does not last forever. But family, they're going to be there when the cameras aren't rolling. And I understand their family, things are a bit shaky. I'm not team Melissa and Joe. I'm not team Teresa. I'm team, they, they're all in the wrong. And they all have a very hard time taking responsibility for their actions. And I've said this to a friend. Teresa and Melissa don't realize it, but they are the same exact person. They just have different tactics. They are the same exact person. And there's this saying... That often the things that we don't like in other people are things that we don't like about ourselves. And that's exactly what is going on. I just don't like that Teresa made such a finite statement like that. This is the last time I'm going to speak to my brother. So then we get to the next reunion block, and this is basically Andy Cohen catching up with the guys. We find out that Frank Catania and Brittany are buying a place together. Congratulations, Frank. Andy asks Frank, does that mean you're going to put a ring on it? Frank's like, uh, I guess so. Frank, um, you were a little hesitant with that response. I think if you're going to get engaged to get married, you should be a little more... Uh, confident and forceful, and you should sound more sure of yourself than you did answering Andy's question. Then Andy speaks to Bill Aiden. Bill Aiden talks about uh, he's making the necessary changes to be more present for his wife and kids. Good for you, Bill Aiden. I wish this is something you um, figured out and said during the season, because during the season, you seem checked out checked out but now Bill Aiden seems checked in so welcome back Bill. then Andy gets to Frankie Jr. questioning him about the fact that Frankie used to work for Louie. Frank says he no longer works for Louie as we know and then Joe Joe Gorga is like what happened? Dolores jumps in, nothing happened, he got another job. Dolores is adamant. She does not want Frankie Jr. to come up in conversation about this. Melissa turns around to Joe and Frank, says something, and Frank is like, I'm not saying anything first. I'm not saying anything first. They gotta bring it up. What is it? What is it that needs to be brought up in order for Frank Catania to say something? Because to me, without like finding out what this it is, to me, it looks like. They came prepared with what to say at the reunion. That's what it looks like to me. It looks fake and phony. Joe Gorgas says that I've known Frankie his whole life and he's told me some things. Dolores is like, Joe, you better stop. This ends right here. Joe, you better listen to Dolores because, you know, in a hypothetical fight against Joe, Gorga, and Dolores Catania, I'm choosing Dolores. She's from Patterson, New Jersey, and she used to be a parole officer. So I'm, (laughs) I'm team Dolores with that one. But my question is, is Dolores protecting Louis because she's loyal to Teresa? I'm not saying that Dolores is choosing loyalty to Teresa over her son, Frankie Jr. But I'm saying in this moment that this exchange is happening, Teresa and Louis are the most quiet. You will see them this whole part three episode. And for me... If someone is questioning the the legitimacy of my business, someone's trying to insinuate there's a shady reason why my friend's son is no longer working for me, I would speak up and try to defend myself. This would be the chance to clear any rumors about your business and why it closed up. But Louie and Teresa are quiet. And then Melissa says to Joe... That Dolores doesn't want the story to be talked about. What story? Something's being hidden from us, something's not being talked about, and it was noticeable to me. Was it noticeable to you? So then, John Fuda pipes in I have a question. Why'd you have me investigated? John Futa holds up one of those bubble mailers and he says, an eye for an eye. I assume that means he has some info on Louie. I, I assume that's what an eye for an eye means. Doesn't eye for an eye come from like ancient Meso- Was it Mesopotamia? I think like those are one of the first, sim- they were the first civilization to create like laws and I believe one of their laws was an eye for an eye. Like if you, you know, chop someone's finger off, that person who got their finger chopped off is now going to chop your finger off. That's what eye for an eye means. If I'm wrong, but if I can go back to world history, this is probably what? Grade 10 in high school? I believe eye for an eye comes from ancient Mesopotamia. I don't, I don't think I said that. Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia. I think I said that right. <laughs> John Fuda accuses Louis of hiring a private investigator to get in contact with the mother of his son, who is currently incarcerated. Louis denies hiring Bo Diddle, Bo Diddle, to investigate the girls and their families. And he questions Louie about it because Louis did say on the season finale that Bo has some info on them. Louie's like, oh, I just said that in the heat of the moment. Andy's like, but you said that the next day, too, when you weren't in the heat of the moment. Louis, the lies you tell. John Food is like, I got connections, big ones. And things kind of get unraveled a bit. People are going back and forth. And I have to say, you know, a host has lost control of the moment. When he has to say, hold on one moment. Can I say something? Andy, you're the captain. Steer the ship. Control the environment. And then you see Marge. She goes behind herself. So she, her, she, she turns and reaches around behind her back and starts to pull out an envelope. And then Andy says, hold on one moment. We just got a call from production and there's a guy downstairs saying that he's your security and he wants to come up here. We find out that Bo Deedledadle hired security for Teresa and Leah Leah, Louie because they've been getting death threats the week prior. So this is the moment where I was like, oh. This man is high. This man is voluntarily hiring security for Teresa and Louis. Not Louis and Teresa paid Bo for security. Bo gave them security, which makes me believe that Bo dug up dirt on the ladies. Louis denies. Bo investigating the ladies. Louis says that Bo is working on a case because someone has been harassing him, and that someone is on the cast and they're talking to the person that is harassing Louis. And Teresa says it's Margaret. Before I get into that, I have to say I know that Louis has denied hiring Bo. Bo has denied Louis hiring him, but Bo is one of the top private investigators in the country. Which means that Bo is not working by himself. Bo has employees. Bo probably has a partner. Bo probably has associates. So I think it's very possible that Bo himself did not do any investigating. But I think it's possible that someone who works with Bo or works for Bo did the investigating. That's how I feel. But back to Margaret, does anyone notice, did anyone notice, that Margaret has barely spoken a entire sentence? She's maybe said, said like nine sentences, this whole entire three-part reunion. Why are you so quiet, Marge? Because you are always ready to interject your opinions into everything, ready to hit below the belt and say some nasty things, even though it's very entertaining to watch. Why is Marge being so quiet? Like... The reunion is kind of like your last showing as a real housewife. This is kind of the moment to show, like, if you've had a bad season, to take responsibility for your actions and show some remorse so you don't end up getting fired. But I don't think being quiet the whole time does Marge any good, to be honest. Because if I'm Andy, I'm like, why is she so quiet? What is she not trying to say? What is she? Yeah. What is she trying not to say? But Marge denies it. And Louis says, let's play. So I have to point out throughout this whole entire reunion episode, Louis sporadically says a combo of weird and semi-threatening phrases like, be careful. You will meet your match someday. He says that actual multiple times in due time. You're going to regret this. He says, I know everything. He says, let's play. He says, your day is coming. He says, just a matter of time. Did anyone notice these phrases threatening language? I, I do have to say Louis is looking less red on this reunion, so whatever he did from the end of the season to this reunion, keep on doing it, Louis. You are looking less like a tomato, but you are still a walking red flag. Frank accuses Louis of launching a smear campaign against him on the internet, resulting in negative tweets, negative articles, and blog posts. Andy then tells Joe Gorga that his sister, Teresa, believes that he and Melissa are the reason why she ended up in prison. And then I was shocked. I thought it was a joke at first. Frank Catania was Joe Gorga's attorney at the time. So Frank turns to Gorga, Joe, Joe Gorga, and was like, Joe, do you give me your permission to waive attorney-client privilege? And Joe Gorga is like, yes. And I'm like, oh, this is real. And then Frank Catania says that they were contacted by the West Patterson, New Jersey FBI. Joe was asked by the FBI to meet with them to discuss Joe Judice, not Teresa. Frank Catania says that Joe Gorga never showed up to speak with the FBI. And then Teresa says in Italian to Joe, you have broken my heart. And Joe says, you broke my heart long time ago. That's sad. I did look up that phrase that Teresa was saying in Italian to see if I could try to say it on the podcast. And that phrase is not easy to say. I click because like when you look up, you know, translation for languages, there's like this icon that has a speaker. And that's so you can hear how to properly pronounce the language you're trying to speak or understand. And I tried to say it, and I sounded foolish, so I gave up. But I have to be honest. I would have loved if Joe and Teresa would have just had a one-on-one being mediated by Andy Cohen. Because in this episode, nothing was resolved. It was fighting, arguing, yelling, accusations, threats. And you might ask yourself, how come Andy did not how come Andy didn't suggest just a one-on-one? Well, if you did not know that this is a business and at the end of the day, this is not these are not Andy's friends. These are not Andy's friends. These are Andy's employees. So honestly, I don't think Andy was thinking of like, oh, maybe we should have a one on one moment with just Teresa and Joe, because I don't want anyone else interjecting their opinions. But that did not happen. Sorry, I veered off a little bit. So then (laughs) Teresa calls Gia to confirm whether Gia said that to her Uncle Joe that he could do better than Gia. Gia denies it, says she never said Uncle Joe could do better than Melissa. Joe's like, she's not telling the truth. That pisses off Teresa. Teresa storms off stage crying. But I have to say... I believe that Gia told Joe that you can do better. But I believe that Gia was referring to the fact that Joe and Melissa weren't coming to the wedding. And so I believe that Gia was like, come on, Uncle Joe, you can do. What is the what is uncle in Italian? It sounds like Zia Joe. Zia Joe. Come on, Uncle Joe. You can do better than that. Come to the wedding. But I believe what Joe Gorga heard was Gia saying you could do better and referring to Melissa. Sometimes when you're angry, sometimes when you're hurt, you hear what you want to hear and not what's actually said. And even though that sounds simple, you can do better. What Joe Gorga heard is you can do better than Melissa, even though that's not what Gia said. I think that it's easy to assume that this was miscommunication at best. Or, at worst, but at this point, they can't even they can't even have this conversation about there possibly being a misunderstanding. It's too late. So then we get the final thoughts from the ladies, and pretty much everyone can agree to get along and start over with the exception of Teresa and Melissa. And that was pretty much it. I have to be honest, I don't know where this cast goes from here. But I will say, in my opinion, this was Melissa Gorga's best reunion I have seen in the 10 years she has been on the show. Now, yes, Melissa and Teresa have gone back and forth many times on these reunions. And Melissa has pretty much always been able to hold her on hold her own, but I've always felt like Melissa was holding back, but not this time. Y'all this three part reunion, Melissa showed up in her glittery blue dress with the hood, weird outfit choice, but it's her choice. Melissa showed up and I was thoroughly entertained. I really was, but I don't know where this cast goes from here. Teresa and Melissa can't be, Together on the show because I don't want to watch on season. What season is this? I don't want to watch on season 14 more family drama between Teresa, Joe, and Melissa. At this point, I don't think any of the viewers of the show want to watch that. So what happens? Do you fire Teresa? Do you fire Melissa? Do you fire them both? At this point, I don't care if they are both let go. Because they both suck so much air out the room that it does not allow the ladies, other ladies, the other real housewives of New Jersey to breathe. They can't show up and be a housewife because it's about Teresa and Melissa. So I don't care if it happened, if Teresa and Melissa both got fired, I would not care. If Melissa got fired, I mean... I kind of like Melissa. I think she should stay on the show. If Teresa got fired, I'm like, oh, what's going to happen to the show? So in my opinion, the only option is for both of them to go. Maybe they're both put on pause for a year or two. They both make, you know, appearances on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Of course, not together. But, you know, Teresa goes to hang out with Dolores and Jen Aiden and Danielle and Melissa goes to hang out with Rachel Fuda, uh, Margaret Josephs, and Jackie. But it's clear they can't be on the show together. There was a time, well actually I was going to say there was a time that the show used to be fun. Um, and yes, that is true. But the Real Housewives of New Jersey has always had a certain type of intensity to it. Because it's always been about family. This is, I know Housewives is an ensemble cast, but the Real Housewives of New Jersey is more than just an ensemble cast. Because it's not just the ladies on the show, the husbands are deeply involved in the show. And maybe the husbands should not be deeply involved in the show, especially with Louis throwing out threats, now trying to deny that he never hired Bodito Ladle. And so, like, maybe the Real Housewives of New Jersey season 14 should be recentered to just about the ladies. Because at the end of the day, isn't that why we're watching? Isn't that? I don't watch the Real Housewives to watch their men, their husbands, boyfriends, fiancés, ex-husbands. This is not why I tune in. I tune in for the dynamics of the female friendship and the drama and the resolution and the personal story. And so I don't know what Bravo has up their sleeves for this franchise, for the Real Housewives of New Jersey. I do know that they are going on pause for a little while because usually the show starts filming again a couple of weeks after the last reunion, the last part of the reunion. But apparently they're pushing back production to the end of the year. So we'll see what decisions are going to be made. I've seen rumors on the Internet that rapper Remy Ma might be joining the show. I'm seeing rumors that DJ Envy, he is one of the hosts of The Breakfast Club, a very popular syndicated radio show that airs out of New York City. There's rumors that his wife is going to be on the show or is being considered for the show. So who knows what is going to happen on the Real Housewives of New Jersey next. But I'll be watching. So let's move on to the Real Housewives of Orange County. (laughs) So we have the Real Housewives of Orange County. This is season 17 episode 2 titled Friendship Overboard. So before I get into this, I have to say thank Baby Jesus for the Real Housewives of Orange County, because it's a great palate cleanser after having to watch the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Orange County is light. It is bright. And I know it's only two episodes in, but so far, so good. I'm enjoying it. There's great dynamics. We're getting personal story already. We're getting conflict. We're getting a group event all within the first two episodes. So that's really exciting for me. Thank you, the Real Housewives of Orange County. So we start off with the first scene, and it's lunch with Emily, Jennifer, and Gina. I know not everyone loves Gina. I know that she is not a top-notch housewife, but I love Gina because she reminds me of home, and that's Long Island, New York. And I love the juxtaposition of Gina being a Long Island girl, In Orange County, California. Because it's two different worlds. I love Gina. And I wish that my accent was as strong as hers is. Because mine is gone. When I go home to New York, people are like, where are you from? The South? And I'm like, no. I'm from here. Oh, I miss my New York accent. Pretty much the only time you hear it is when I'm upset. Um, When I say water or coffee, or Long Island. Those are the only times you hear my accent. (laughs) Other than that, I don't know where I sound like I'm from. And I also want to congratulate Gina, who is sober. She decided that sobriety was the best decision for her life. But Gina admits that she's... California sober, which means that Gina loves her some sticky icky, also known as that vitamin THC. Uh, So apparently Gina has stopped drinking, but she is burning it down. But it is legal in the state of California, so she's not doing anything wrong. Then Jen, new housewife, she opens up about her marriage. Uh, She reveals that her and her husband were emotionally separated. They were sleeping in separate bedrooms for two years. And Gina's like, oh, so you weren't having an affair. And Jen's like, well, no. If my husband is in the next room talking to other women, then I'm going to do my thing. And she did her thing because she found herself a Ryan. And she reveals that she was getting everything from Ryan that she was not getting from her husband. And as Vicky Gunvalson, the OG of the OC, will say, it seems like Jin's love tank is now full. But Emily says something that I don't agree with. But, you know, she's the married one. I'm not in a relationship and I'm not married. But Emily says that she would rather have her husband Shane have a one-night stand than to have an ongoing love affair. Emily, I would not even put that into the universe. Take it back. Take it back, girl. Because we don't want to find out a season or two later that Shane had himself a chick on the side. Because basically you said, well, I would rather him cheat with the one night stand than like have, you know, an ongoing affair. Don't, 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 don't like say that because what if it happens even though i don't think shane would do that shane's not leaving emily but emily don't put that out there and then we find out we're getting our first group event the flamingo party so we get to the next scene short scene we're with heather dubrow and heather is helping her daughter get ready for college and they're in a whole storage room i don't know where they are It seems like a storage room or an office full of stuff for a dorm room. And when I say full of stuff for a dorm room, at first I thought they were at Staples shopping. But then I saw uh, Heather's daughter sitting on the ground and I was like, surely she is not sitting on the floor of Staples. So they must be like in a comfortable space, a space that they're familiar with. So I believe their home, their house is so big. I don't know if this is in their house, but it seems like they are. But like Heather Dubrow has her daughter fully stocked with everything she could possibly need for her dorm room. And based on the amount of stuff that's in that storage room, how big is this dorm room? Like I've been in different sized dorm rooms. Some dorm rooms are like the size of a jail cell. Jail cell. Some dorm rooms are the si- are like a suite basically like a hotel suite and basically there's like a connecting door between you and your roommate's dormmate's room I guess I never lived in a dorm I lived with my cousin out on Long Island shout out to my cousin Nikki I wish I got to live in a dorm room. That's like the exciting part about going to college. And I mean, I I was only in college for like three, four months, three and a half months uh, because I got sick, diagnosed with cancer, had to move back home, do like nine months of chemo. Um, So like my three months of college was just me commuting from Long Island, New York to the city for school. And then I would go to my job at Century 21 Department Store, which is now closed, Due to COVID. Because people weren't going to stores. If you don't know about Century 21 Department Store. I a lot of people. When you mention Century 21. They think about the real estate company. But it's a department store. That sells high end luxury clothes. For a discount. So think like TJ Maxx. Or Marshalls. But like. At. At. I was about to say at 21st Century, at Century 21, (laughs) you see like Mark Jacobs, you see Gucci, you see Valentino, like it's like a high-end Marshalls, TJ Maxx. And so anytime I would go to visit home in New York, I always had to make a pit stop at Century 21 department store, but they are no more. How did I get in? Oh, yeah, because I was talking about my time in college and I had a job. After uh, school. Yeah. So back to the show. Uh, Heather speaks with Tamra, who's a little bit nervous about her meetup with Shannon. But I agree with Heather. Tamra and Shannon have two completely perspectives of their friendship. And we see that play out in the next scene. So we get to the sit down with Tamra and Shannon. I love a sit down. I love a sit-down. I utilize a sit-down in my personal life. A sit-down is when you have conflict with a friend and you guys agree to meet in a public space, whether it be a coffee shop, bagel shop, restaurant, and you agree to sit down and hash it out. I love a sit-down. So we notice here that they both feel like they've been there for each other, but Tamara deeply disagrees with Shannon saying, I've been there for you too. It seems like, to me, Tamara is looking for consistency in her friendship with Shannon, which is a valid point. We should all want consistency in our friendships, unless that's something that you don't need from your friends. But I, Tamara did not say that. Tamara was like, you were there, but then you disappeared. So Tamara was, Tamara should have just said, Shannon, I love you, and I know at some point you were there for me. But I felt like it ended. And it wasn't consistent. And what I need in a friendship is consistency. Can you give that to me? Because if you can, this friendship could move forward. If it sounds like I'm having weird breathing, it's because I have indigestion. So I don't know. It feels like a burp is coming up, but it's not. I know there's too much information, but, you know, sound does pick up in the microphone. So I don't, I don't want you to be like, "Ooh, what is going? He's like, <coughs> I shouldn't have done that. <coughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but then Tamra justifies talking about Shannon in the press because Tamra felt like Shannon wasn't there for her. No, 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 Shannon. I mean, no, 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 Tamra. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't agree with that. Just because you feel like your friend wasn't there for you does not mean you can just slam their, their name publicly like that. No, Tamra. No. Is that is that how you operate in your friendships? You have a falling out with a friend and now you're just going on interviews, going on podcasts, doing interviews with blogs, calling your friend a drunk calling her fake, calling her a liar. So I understand why Shannon's like, well, you hurt me too. But it's obvious this conversation does not go anywhere. But I love that Shannon said, well, let's see where this friendship can go from here. Because that conversation was going nowhere. How long was that sit down? Because to me, it felt like 15 minutes. But of course, they could have filmed an hour or two and chopped it up to that, those 10 minutes that we saw. So who knows? Then we move on to Cut Fitness. And I have to say, I feel really bad for Tamara and Eddie. I did not realize, one, that they've been married for like 10 and 11, 10 or 11 years. And their gym was open for 10 years. So that's great that they had that success It's sad that it had to close down because, again, COVID, um, when there's a worldwide pandemic happening and there are rules where you can't leave the house or go to public spaces, a business that is a gym cannot thrive. So Cut Fitness had to close. But Tamra mentions how Emily reached out to her to show support of the closure of their gym. And then... They cut to a reunion a couple of seasons ago, and Tamra called Emily Shrek. Tamra said Emily looks like Shrek. So good on Emily for reaching out to Tamra and being the bigger person after being insulted like that. Because I would have paid Tamra dust and blown it in her, in her face. But Emily is better than I am. Then the conversation turns to Shannon, and apparently, both Eddie and Tamara believe that Shannon is a drunk and that she's needy. I wonder how Shannon's gonna feel about watching this back. Because I've seen Shannon in interviews with Tamara doing promotion for this season. And they seem very buddy-buddy in a really good place, so it seems like their friendship is better. But now Shannon has to sit back and watch all the things that Tamra was saying about her behind her back leading up to their friendship being better, which means their friendship is going to be rocky again. Because now you have to confront the the fact that, oh, you... You've been calling me a drunk. You've been calling me needy. Mm. We'll see how that goes. And then we have Shane and Emily in the car. Also, I'm recapping the like deleted scenes version on Peacock. So I might mention scenes that you guys did not watch live on Bravo. If that's how you watched OC. Because what I'm about to mention is the deleted scene. Uh, With Shane and Emily in the car. And Shane dropped some knowledge on. Shane has grown on me so much. The first season, I could not stand him. Second season was a little better. After that, okay, Shane, I'm liking you better. And, you know, I know we're only two episodes in, but I like Shane. Shane has grown on me. And Shane dropped a nugget of knowledge on us. Some zoology. Apparently flamingos are pink because they eat so much shrimp. I thought it was just like a pigmentation thing with their feathers. That's why they were pink. I didn't know it's because they eat so much shrimp. Like, I love shrimp. If I ate too much shrimp, would I turn pink? Now, I am African-American, so I have brown skin. So I couldn't necessarily turn pink. But, like, would I turn purple? (laughs) Let me stop. Moving right along, we get to Boat Day, and I have to say, Heather Dubrow is getting her glam done, and I love that she admitted that she looked up Flamingo on the Urban Dictionary. I try to tell people—listen, if you cannot find a definition of a word or a phrase on Merriam-Webster on dictionary.com, you go to Urban Dictionary, because most likely, if you can't find it anywhere else— It's going to be on Urban Dictionary. So shout out to Heather. She's just like us. Sometimes she just needs to understand what certain words mean. (laughs) So then the ladies arrive for Boat Day. And look who's last to arrive. Making her debut on The Real Housewives of Orange County is Taylor Armstrong, who used to be on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I believe the first four seasons. And she was also on season two of The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip at Dorinda's house on Peacock. But Taylor Armstrong is the first ever housewife to be on two different franchises as a cast member. So look at Taylor Armstrong making housewife history. So then the ladies are all gathered. They're sitting around, I believe, a table or chairs or a bench. And Jen, new girl Jen, new housewife Jen, opens up about her family and adopting her son and fostering children. And then Shannon does something rude as hell, interrupts Jen as she's opening up to a group of strangers. She's like, is that John's son? Is that John's son? Hey, is that John's son? And she just keeps on going. She's like, is that Joe? Is that Joe? And Tamara is getting heated. Heated. Heather tries to get Jen to continue on with her story. And then Shannon's like, this is where the seals are, everyone. Because there was like a little buoy in the middle of the ocean. And so I guess the seals hang out on the buoy. And I'm like, Shannon, shut up. Shannon's mind is elsewhere. Shannon, sometimes... I love Shannon. I love me some Shannon Storms Bedore. But Shannon sometimes has a lack of self-awareness, which is a perfect quality for a housewife, honestly. many housewife have Many housewives have a lack of awareness, which makes them so great for the show because they do and say things and they're not aware of their behavior. They have a completely different perception of themselves than what others have of them. And then Emily and Tamara have a one-on-one about Shannon, where Emily is trying to play the voice of reason, the mediator among the group. And then during that conversation, drunk Heather Dubrow, which I love seeing because I feel like Heather Dubrow is often tightly wound. But it's good to see that Heather Heather is comfortable. She's comfortable with this group of women. So she's going to let her hair down, her I Dream of Jeannie ponytail down. And so she interrupts the conversation and sits, squeezes, not sits. It's not like there was a big open space on the chair or the bench. Between Emily and Tamara. So Heather squeezes in between Heather and Tamara. And Heather just jumps right in and starts questioning Tamara about Shannon. And then Emily asks Tamara if she should take responsibility for the hurt she caused Shannon. And Tamara's like, go fuck a duck. I'm like, what? Please don't fuck a duck. What does that mean? Listen, I'm going to do a quick PSA. I do not support humans having sex with animals. That is called bestiality, and it is illegal. But don't mess with ducks. They're so cute. It's like, quack. I don't know what ducks provide to the world. Like, you know, every, you know, animal or bug kind of has, like, its purpose in the world. You know what I mean? Like you might question the significance of cockroaches. But like cockroaches eat termites. And like, who wants a termite? Who wants termites in their home? Because they're gonna eat up the wood and like your home might come crashing down. So, like, in some way, cockroaches serve a purpose. I just don't want them. I don't want to see them. I don't want to find out that they're living in my home. But cockroaches do serve a purpose, and so do ducks, and they're not to fuck. And then Tamara starts yelling, and then the rest of the ladies in the front of the boat, the ladies in the front of the boat are Jen, Shannon, Taylor. Jen, Shannon, Taylor, yeah, because Heather, Tamara, and Emily are in the back of the boat having this discussion. Everyone in the front of the boat can hear this, including Shannon. But I agree with Emily. If you're getting all these phone calls from Shannon Storms Bedore, and they're annoying you, and she's waking you up in the middle of the night, drunk to complain about her relationship, Tamara, draw a line, create a boundary, and be like, Hey, girl, I love you, but these calls are becoming a little bit too much. And you're calling me too late and you're starting to bother Eddie, you know, can we like keep the calls from you to a minimum and at a certain time of the day? That's all Tamara needed to say. I don't know if Tamara has ever told Shannon that, but you know, here's the thing that a lot of people don't realize People don't read minds. So if you are a friend that is mad at your friend for doing something, but you don't tell your friend what they did and you just decide to scream at them or insult them or ignore them. How is that friend that you're mad at supposed to understand what they did in order to correct their behavior to do better? Like this is why I am the way I am. I'm someone that believes in straight talk makes for straight understanding. If you're my friend and we have a problem, I'm going to tell you we have a problem. There's not going to be any passive aggressive stuff. I'm not going to ignore you or pretend you don't exist in the world. I'm going to tell you what the problem is. And after I tell you what the problem is, my expectation is that you take responsibility for what you have done. And with the hope that you will fix the behavior and our friendship can move on. And a lot of, that does not click in a lot of people's heads. And that does not click in Tamara's head. How is Shannon supposed to know what to do or what she did wrong if Tamara, you don't tell her? Shannon does not read minds. Unless, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Shannon does. But I don't think anyone human on this earth has the ability to read minds. So that's my frustration with Shannon. If you have a problem with someone, not Shannon, with Tamara, if you have a problem with someone, just say it. Say what the issue is. Don't insult them. Don't yell at it, at, at them. Articulate. Use your words and say, you know what, Shannon, this is why I'm mad at you because you did this and it made me feel this way. It's, it's simple. It's very simple, but not everyone believes in simple. They believe in complex and difficult. So then the ladies, I guess, go back upstairs to sit around to eat. And (laughs) Emily suggests that Shannon apologize to Jen for interrupting her story about fostering children. And Shannon had no clue. That she even did that. Had no clue that Jen was sharing the story about fostering children. But then Shannon takes it upon herself to be like, oh, I wanted to foster children, too. Shannon, this is not about you. We love that you were trying to foster children. But this is about the fact that you interrupted Jen while she was sharing the story of her fostering children. Again, a lack of self-awareness. But that's what we love. And a housewife, isn't it? But then Tamara, who is drunk as hell, drunk. And you know someone's drunk. Tamara's swaying a little bit. Her eyes look a little glassy. Her, eye, her, her eyes are like a little low. You know, those lids, those eyelids are a little low. She might as well close her eyes. And Tamara's like, uh, Shannon, that's how you normally are. You're selfish. You lack awareness. And you make everything about yourself. Emily tries to inter- interject, and Tamara's like, Shut up, Emily, or I'm gonna hurt you. And Emily's like, Whoa, I'm just trying to help. And Tamara's out here threatening to throw hands on Emily. In a fight between Emily and Tamara, I take Emily. Tamara's a quarter pint. All Emily had to do was pick her up by her ponytail. And swing her around like a rag and, you know, throw her into the ocean. That's all Emily had to do because Tamara's threatening Emily. I'm going to hurt you. Emily can handle that. Tamara is all bark but no bite. You know, it's like a a chihuahua. You know, well, actually, small dogs, they do bite. They're all bark and they do bite. So never mind. And also, I shouldn't be comparing Tamara. To a dog. I apologize about that, listeners. I apologize. But yeah. And then Tamara and em- Emily start going at it. And then Tamara's like, I'm going to jump overboard. And Shannon's like, go ahead. <laughs> and then Tamara calls Shannon a liar and a drunk, all while Tamara is wasted herself. Yo, Tamara is coming in hot this season. She's kind of doing a little bit... Actually, no, she's not doing too much. Tamara's being Tamara. And you forget Tamra's ways because she was not like that on the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls trip. So, like, I used to not like Tamara because back in season four, I didn't like that she was, like, trying to get Gretchen Rossi naked-waisted and humiliate her on national television. I didn't like that. I always felt like... Tamara's mouth was reckless and she she just did too much and then she got fired and I remember I was like okay good riddance bye Tamara bye Vicky and then I saw Tamara on the Real Housewives of Ultimate Girls trip and I was like oh I like her she's changed she should come back to the show and then she gets hired back to the show and I'm excited and then now she's on the show and I'm like, oh. I kind of remember why I was okay that Tamra got fired. Because, like, Tamra just, like, she turns into someone else. But it's good television. So I guess I can say I'm happy she's back because, to me, Orange County is back. I know we're only two episodes in, but it feels good. It feels good to watch this show, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with the rest of the season. That is it for my recap this week. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Before I let you go, please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. It is called Bravo Tea with Jared B. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your co-workers, tell everyone you know. To listen to Bravo Tea with Jared B. Especially if they are a Bravo fan. Follow us on Instagram. At Bravo Tea with Jared B. Follow us on Instagram. At Bravo Tea with JB. Reach out. Slide in the DM. Say hello. Introduce yourself. Give us a follow. But like I always do. I want to thank you all. For the support. And for listening to the podcast, listen to me fumble my words, (laughs) hear me rant, (laughs) and laugh at my own jokes, which is so corny. But I greatly appreciate the support, everyone. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Enjoy that weekend wherever you are in the world, wherever you are listening. I love you guys. I love you for listening. And until next time... I was gonna say pod dismissed, but uh, that is what they say on the Boy Meets World podcast. So I'm just gonna say bye (laughs) bye.